For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Orlando. Orlando. Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. The voice of massive magic fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, the voice of magic fans, episode 12. What's going on, gentlemen? What's, What's up? What's going on? going on so um today we had a, a special addition to our podcast we've included our very first guest which is oscar creed from the instagram at orlando magic wave um that we're gonna include it's gonna be towards the end of our podcast it's a new segment that we're starting called overtime where we're gonna start trying to bring in um as many orlando magic influencers that um that we can introduce to the people so really excited. So definitely stay tuned towards the end of the podcast so to listen to that. Um, but before we jump into our our segments in our in our episode, um, we just recently or just now actually completed our very first loser reward challenge. So for those of you that have been listening on a consistent basis, every single week we select a prediction that we have. Um, based on whatever the game of the week that we decide. And then between the the seven of us, whoever has the least amount of correct predictions has to do a challenge. Right. Today's challenge was a spicy noodle challenge. Spicy noodle challenge. Spicy noodle. And they were spicy, by the way. And this was a a buy one, get one free. We had two individuals. (laughs) We had uh, Mr. Witt, who's joining with us today. Good afternoon, everybody. And we have uh, Ariel that did it right before. Um, we started the podcast. We made sure that he had to be here and complete the challenge and whatnot. So um, definitely stay tuned. Uh, check the Instagram, social medias. We're going to be posting it. We made a whole entire video because there's no way that we're going to let them forget this moment because it was amazing. <laughs> um, in the studio, um, we mentioned that Wit is here. Um, we have Justin. Yo. Al. What's up? And myself, Anthony. And um, so, Wit, tell me, how was, how was the experience of the spicy noodles? I'm hurting. I mean that that that's the real deal. I there's a reason why I, I don't do internet challenge stuff, and that's my first one, and hopefully my last. That was I, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm not lying. You better get better with them predictions. No, than I, I, I can't. I can't bet against my team. That's that's yeah. what it is. No, I got you. I after after Wit and Ariel tried uh, the noodles, did the noodle challenge. I had a bit um, to try, and I had what like three forks worth, and um, I was in pain. It was it was pretty bad, and yeah. I give it to Wit because Wit ate an entire bowl like he completed the challenge, uh, you know. But it, it is it's just tough, man. Because actually, looking at the other numbers here, Wit went uh, winless, so he predicted um, winless a win yeah. against the Lakers. He predicted a win against Portland. Yeah, a loss against Philly, a win again. I'm sorry, a loss against Miami. So just unfortunately, where you just unfortunately uh, made the wrong predictions time and time again. So so, so if you <laughs> want to make money, he's rooting for his team. If, if you want to make it's hard money, to go against it. Yeah, if you want to make money, just go and place all of your money against what Wit is. Uh, is, is true. <laughs> Look, see, see, I started out, yo, I gotta, I gotta cheer my team on, and then I realized I'm losing, so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna start losing and cheer losing. They're gonna win. Look what happened. Look but what tell happened. you what, but tell you what, January just started, the new challenge just started in January, right? And Wit is. Want to know? So I did predict the right thing. I give credit to Wit because Wit took it like a champ. He took he it did. straight to the chest. Yep, yep. He went in there. He finished it. Yeah. Ariel, well, you, you, Ariel, on the other hand, disappointed me. Yeah. The, yeah. The listeners will find out what happened when we watch the video. But, I, I uh, pay my debts. I, I took absolutely. the challenge. I know You're what dead. I signed up Respectful, for. Respectful, sir. I signed up for. And I lost. Get in there and do what you got to do. I will say, just get ready for a lot of laughing, a lot of sweat. <laughs> and a lot of heat. This challenge, a lot was, of heat. this challenge was fun. And just so uh, listeners know, too, we just started a new one. So January is a new month. So we just started with the Nets game. That game is behind us. 
Um, so, again, so we got three more weeks to go, and then we'll do another one at the end of the month. I think right. that we should also do a um, whoever had the most correct predictions deserve to get rewarded also. Mm. They can do like a veto of a challenge. The reward is being in this podcast and being part of the awesome oh, crew. Man. That's just yeah, that well, guy. <laughs> I'll lay down the law. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into the numbers. Current record, 18-21. This puts us at seventh seed in the East. Offense points per game, 103.5, 30th in the league. Three-point percentage, 33.3, 26. Offensive rating, 104.8, which has us 26 in the league. Defense points allowed, 103.3. Currently first in the NBA. Blocks, 6.2, has us fifth. Defensive rating, 104.9, which has us fifth. Um, a lot of games this past week. The very first one was Monday's win against the uh, Brooklyn Nets, 101-89. I was actually at that game. Amazing game. Markel, had, um, Markel went off. Career high, 25 points um, for Markel, including seven clutch points that helped secure the win late in the fourth quarter. He really took the game in his hands and, and went off with it. Uh, Vucevic struggled, struggled to score, but I mean, he brought down 24 rebounds. Right. What you guys think about the game? Uh yeah, Vooch. It was it was really cool to see, right? Because there's this criticism that Vooch is soft, right? That while he could put up these points, he's gonna give you maybe ten, twelve rebounds a game, uh, but he's not really an off uh, a rebound threat, right? You wouldn't consider Vooch one of the best rebounders in the league. Uh, so it was a nice change of pace to see him uh, grab those rebounds. Um, but also, it was nice to see. Okay, Vooch didn't produce the offense that we're used to seeing from him, but other guys like Markel uh, took the offensive load, which realistically, in my opinion, is a more uh, adequate representation of what the Magic should be, right? You should have your guards being those guys that you go to late game situations who could put up those points and let your big men, you know, kind of uh, get physical down low, grab those rebounds, give second chance points uh, and whatnot. So that was that was a good uh, version of the Orlando Magic. I think the big key uh, difference maker they were uh, taking advantage of a team who was definitely struggling with the Nets, uh, but we hit our free throws that day. You know, if you if you look at the, the some of the losses we've had prior to this it was it was free throw issues, and uh, if you look at the numbers, they they were pretty up high with free throws compared to games prior. And what I like is um, so in, in regards to what you were saying about Vooch, um, I had mentioned this earlier to someone else and. Imagine a world where Nikola Vucevic isn't your first option. He's just someone that you're not relying to carry the team along the way. He can contribute instead of, instead of leading a team. Right. And I feel like that was a really good example with Markel because Markel was aggressive. And he did it in ways that, you know, it's not just taking it to the lane. He was shooting mid-range jump shots. He even hit a three. He two was threes. Really, two threes. He was really, really aggressive to where the offensive load didn't have to rely on Nikola Vucevic. Mm, good point. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget, too, that was a crucial game. Uh, last year, we ended the season uh, tied with the same record as the Nets. Uh, so, to me, every game matters against the Nets. Any game that you, you can win against them, it's going to matter at the end of the year. Uh, we were losing the lead. We were up 12 for the half. We lost the lead completely heading into the fourth. Uh, so, again, Markel coming in and doing what he did was crucial to us. I just want to see Markel going forward be this aggressive. He took 20 shots, the most he's taken all season. Uh, we want to see that Markel a little more often. Uh, but a crucial moment for him to perform the way he did. Uh, so that was really fun to watch. Yeah, and that, didn't that put us in the seventh? It yeah, did. that game got yeah, us. We're, seventh we're still seventh because of that. Yep. Um, so Wednesday we um, played against the Washington Wizards. Um, the score was 123-89. It was a big win for us. Um, the Magic dominated the shorthanded Wizards yet again and completed the season sweep. Beat them every single time we played them this season. So that's amazing. The Magic were led by Vucevic's 29 points and 9 rebounds. So really big offensive game from Vuce. Um, Friday, Friday was a tough game. Lost against the game. Phoenix Suns. Score was 98-94. to 94. You know, gutsy performance all around. When you consider the Magic did not have five of their rotational players. And we couldn't close out. The Suns went on an A-0 run in the final minute of the game. And... To, to seal the game away, Fournier led the Magic with 28 points, and Vooch added 18 points and 13 rebounds. It was a really tough way to, to end it. You know, we were, it seemed as if we were we were struggling for a while. We came back towards the end. The game was in our grasp, and we just yeah, let it slip away. I, I feel bad for Evan on that game. You could tell he was playing his tail end off. In, in the, the third and fourth quarter, he was, what, till the end there, he held Booker till six points or something like that. 
I mean, I can remember, I can see a couple of times where he was blocking a shot on the way up and turning him in, into offense. And, and that's, that's a tough loss. But the guys hung in there. We're short-staffed. And our G League players, who are now our team, you know, we, we played against them. We were competing. Yeah, and also I think that Suns game highlighted our problems. Our problems are closing out games. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if if we get down the stretch up by 15 we've seen that this team is is has a propensity to blow those leads Mm -hmm. um and this was a great example of that so i think it um going into you know what three and a half weeks before trade deadline it highlighted again what our weakness is and one of the holes that we have to plug i mean the major weakness from the game is being healthy Mm -hmm. it's the fact that we have we we have to play the players of emil jefferson our backup point guard is uh, Josh McGett, and and as as much as you know, I'm rooting for the kid. I hate the fact that we have so many G League players on our roster. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate the fact that we have to. You and Grant is out of our control, right? We have so many injuries. We can't. We don't have the MCWs, the Afro Camino, so we're forced to play these players. But at the same time, it's you know, Phoenix Suns was supposed to be a team automatic win check mark onto the next one. We need to take advantage of those games. And the fact that we still almost pulled it out at the end really goes to show that, you know, we that's our, our players are playing. You know, they're they're working hard, they're hustling, they're they're doing what they gotta do, but just couldn't couldn't close it out. So the, the Magic played a magic basketball game. They, they they found a way to be competitive, to keep it close at the end. What unfortunately happened again, it's the way we lost. That that sucked. Because I mean, uh, personally as a Magic fan, I went into the game thinking we're not gonna win that game. So it's gonna be tough for short short handed. So I expected a loss. But once I saw us up four with a minute left, I'm like, man, we got this. It's impressive. We're going to pull off this win. And not only that, but we have a tough Sacramento team playing next. Then we got the Lakers, the Clippers. We got some tough games coming up. So that was a much-needed win. Again, now we're going to hopefully be Sacramento to be back on track. Otherwise, you, it could turn ugly. You know what I hated is that after that game, um, there was a, a lot of videos or clips and highlights that went viral. The block against um, Kelly Oubre that had over Terrence Ross, Devin Booker hitting right. game-winning um, big time clutch shot at the end is like stop it, stop it. We had that game. We didn't have all our players. Stop it. There's, there's nothing. If I if I'm the coach of the Phoenix Suns, I am not part of that game for sure. Yeah, I mean I see your point, but I I also feel like a win's a win. I get it. A win is a win, and good teams, contending teams, find ways to win. The Lakers won last night without AD or uh, or LeBron, they and had, it was a rout. They had All Star Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> no, no, no. But the, I guess the point is, ultimately, if you if if you want to be competitive, if you want to be respected uh, in this league, you have to win. And we don't have a star player per se. I mean, Vooch is an all star, uh, but again, when you compare him to other stars around the league, he doesn't have the same. I would say the same uh, gravity for the team. You know, the same influence impact. Uh, that a LeBron or an Anthony Davis or a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George have. So, you know, it's it's interesting. It has to be done. If we're going to win, it has to be done by committee. Everyone has to play their role. Uh, and we have to figure out how to win close games down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this past week, there was a lot of magic news. A lot of things going around things. in the in the magic world. Um, but the very first thing that caught my attention is um, Bleacher Report. They released a list of suggested trade targets for the magic. And they listed these following players. Chris Paul, Alonzo Trier, D'Angelo Russell, Dennis Smith Jr., and then the obvious DeMar DeRozan. What do you think about those players? I like that list with the exception of Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul doesn't fit our timeline. Um, I think Chris Paul has proven that everywhere he goes, it kind of, he kind of becomes the focal point, the issue. Uh, and Orlando... For if Orlando is going to be successful, they have to focus on the future because obviously we're not going to win now. So bringing in a guy who's towards the tail end of his career uh, is a win now move, and I don't think that 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 helps anyone. Uh, it would be really interesting to see a Dennis Smith Jr. Um, in Orlando playing a two guard, for example, um, or an Alonzo Trier, same situation. But uh, yeah, Chris Paul doesn't interest doesn't really like spike my interest. And the Warriors we saw weren't interested in like an AG for D Lo trade. So that lets you know that they're gonna ask for everything. I feel in, like in a, I feel like trade. the the list wasn't creative. These are all names that we've heard 
before to a certain extent, the Dennis mm-hmm. Smith Juniors or Chris Pauls. Right. I don't know why there's even any point guards on the list. We don't need a point we guard. We don't need a point guard. But it's funny enough, you, you go online. They keep throwing that. They keep they want us to get a point. We already exactly. Yes, that was a conversation last season. It's not a conversation this season. We you have our point guard. People don't watch the Magic. People don't understand. We have Markel Fultz playing well. People don't understand that yet. They think, I, I heard recently somebody talk on the radio, and they actually said the line, Markel's still coming off the bench. I'm like, People are not watching the Magic, and that's why you see this list that are not creative enough, still throwing the you know Dennis Smith Jr. and the Chris Paul on the list. Wait, so you guys wouldn't be interested in, in a Dennis Smith Jr. to Orlando trade? I no. would for a second-round pick and, and the, the, the value The value isn't I high. Wouldn't, I wouldn't give up a one-do for Dennis Smith Jr. But you, you I, wouldn't? I no, no, no. You wouldn't, you wouldn't feel the upside is way higher with Dennis Smith Jr.? No. Imagine having a, a rotation of point guards off Markel Fultz and Dennis Smith Jr. in your team. Young, that's athletic. Not, that's not bad, and he's he he can score the ball. Yeah, he's kind of bad rep with the Knicks. I mean, look at what he did with Dallas. All he needs, is yeah. But Dallas say, gave him away, and they didn't. You know, they didn't really. But at the time, their issue was they wanted he wanted to be the man. He wanted to be the guy with the ball in his hands. But he can't. He's shown that he can. If he, he can score, so he was able to do that for a team like Dallas. You put him in a very bad situation in New York. The Knicks are just terrible organ, organizationally and everything. Yeah, right. Yeah. You take him out of that. And then you would hope that he's still able to bring at least some type of caliber play they brought from Dallas. But if you're saying, would you trade Wesley Awandu for him? Absolutely, in a heartbeat. You know what? Uh, on the, the list, the only guy that really caught my attention, I'm, I'm not sure if he's on the block right now, is Alonso Trier. I think that's a kid that can straight up score the ball. Yeah, yeah, apparently, Seattle apparently he's, uh, Seattle he's disgruntled in New York, too. He's a he's a playing he's since last playing. year, and yeah. he did well last year. So imagine him, again, I always say this, but another offensive threat along with Terrence Ross off the bench. That's a kid that may not be that expensive. You throw a pick here and there, and I don't know who, salary-wise. But that might be a kid that may blow something in Orlando, mm-hmm. uh, if he's given a chance. Exactly. So we either do a change now, or we, we blow it up, start rebuilding. It's actually funny you say that, Wit, because uh, Steve Kyler of Basketball Insiders, he's just reported, um, I was told the Magic are going to really look at where they are after the road trip and decide if it's time to blow it up or add to it. So that caught me off guard because I really didn't think that blowing it up is was really an option. You know, I I always thought that obviously we're we're in a good position, seventh in in the East. Granted, the teams behind us are really really bad. The only team that I was really worried about was the Detroit Pistons, and you know they're they're trying to trade Andre Drummond, and then Blake Griffin's out for the season. So is that where we are? Should we really be thinking about blowing it up? I mean, where this road trip is going to be a tough road trip. We have a back to back with LA. Got to go against the Clippers, the Lakers. There's a big possibility with the team that we have and the injuries that we're facing that this may not be a successful road trip. So, I mean, I, I do have the same concerns, but when I when I read that, I kind of filtered it through. So I watch like MMA a lot, UFC, um, and one of the worst things that you could be in in any like professional fighting sport is a journeyman, right? A guy that fights continuously. Um, but never really has a chance at winning a championship. Um, And it's dangerous because it's almost like in your mind, you're telling yourself, "Mm, I'm still relevant because I'm competitive, but you never really have a chance. And I think that's what Orlando's situation is now, um, where they're just good enough to make the playoffs in a bad conference, which is the Eastern Conference, but they're not really a threat to anyone. And I, I, I mean... Barring a superstar trade, right, where you get like a D'Lo, for example, or you pull a Chris Paul who might kind of put us over the the hump, Orlando is not really in a position where for the foreseeable future, meaning like next year, two years, um, where they're going to contend for a championship unless there is a significant change. So when I hear blow it up, I I feel like, yes, that might be an option, um, and I'm assuming that through a blow-up, they mean everybody's for sale except Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac. I mean, because when I hear blow-up, I, I interpret it a little different. I'm not hearing rebuild. Like, to me, blow-up is not rebuild. You have the key pieces. And I'm 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 not against it because I would love to see what the value for Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, Nikola Vucevic would look, would look like. We've but talked about also, it for so, so long. That would also include Terrence Ross, DJ Augustine. Yeah. So I think the two guys that that have that lead to this is DJ Augustine being a free agent. Do you just lose him for nothing? 
and Evan Fournier again up, up to now in the summer and then him just walking away from nothing. So that creates this issue. Also, Jonathan Isaac being hurt the rest of the season. So if you're trying to contend, I don't think you can contend and play, make a playoff spot with the current roster knowing that Aminu's out of the season, Isaac's out of the season. So you got to add something to the team right now. So I think that injury of Isaac, Aminu, and then that uncertainty of what's going to happen with Fournier and Augustine creates this momentum of, hey, what are we doing? I, I think he's feeling some pressure and kind of letting that be known a little bit. So, like, saying uh, I'm possibly blow this up means, look, no one wants our guys. We're not getting anybody in here, right? So we're gonna have to look this summer to uh, to make some changes if that's that that might be the case. So, and I also think that he he might be getting pressure to buy some time with our younger players, develop and see what we got. Maybe use those as trading pieces over the summer, or develop them over the summer. But more importantly, is like, uh, you know what? They're cheap. Uh, that we're still possibly in the playoffs. Uh, people are still coming to the games. So from an executive standpoint, business-wise, business is good. Right. So I, I, I see that point as well. Um, but I think my thing is all-star break is before the trade deadline, correct? After. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so the sixth is the trade deadline. The week after that is the all-star break mm-hmm. and all that good I was stuff. Thinking, I was thinking it was the first week of – of all-star break because what i was going to say was maybe if we're not competitive by that time they still have a week to kind of get a fire so that's the problem so so we really have three and a half weeks so that's why that so the thing is we have the west coast trip we then come back we play okc we play the celtics the clippers miami heat twice right before the deadline so our schedule is brutal between now and the trade deadline so if our team loses three four games in this road trip comes home to face all those tough teams we could easily be seven, eight, nine, ten games below five hundred. So now it's like, okay, what do we do with Fournier? What do we do with DJ? Are we playing for something, or are we just losing four games? So, in the playoffs? so you think that this West Coast road trip could be the determining factor in whether we pursue a Fournier trade or keep him long term, or decide to just let go of all of the guys because. We're no longer competitive. I think it, what what Kyler is saying is it's going to determine whether we add to this team in the in this core, or we just say no. Let's actually trade a Fournier because we're not that good right now. We're, we're going to make the playoffs maybe because the East is so bad. We're going to get spanked no matter what by Milwaukee in four games. Mm-hmm. So why keep a guy that's, again f- for only three more months and losing him in the playoff and in the off season? Right. So that's what it's tough, man. Like I said, I wouldn't want to be in the front office right now because there's a lot of tough decisions. It all started last year with Vucevic and Ross. Like, what do you do with those guys? We brought them back. But now it's a similar situation this year with Fournier and Augustine. It, it's tough. I mean, that's but that's why they get paid the big bucks. Oh, for sure. For right? sure. Um, so Sam Amick of The Athletic um, came out with a report saying that there's chatter coming from Orlando about a potential deal in regards to um, Aaron Gordon. So it's, it's being talked about. Um, obviously, our front office has always been very um, discreet, but other execs are the opposite, right? Um, Sam Amick also goes on to report that um, the Warriors have absolutely no interest in D'Angelo Russell for an Aaron Gordon swap. The Warriors' dealings offered a hard no when asked specifically about the scenario, which honestly I, I wasn't crazy. Yeah, it's, that's not out of the ordinary. They didn't say no for an Aaron Gordon trade. They said no for an Aaron Gordon D'Angelo Russell swap. Who in the right mind would make that move? Right. The, right to think to think that AG would garner the same interest absolutely not is is a little ridiculous. Not only I that, mean, but D'Angelo Russell's two years younger than AG. He's so two like, years younger. He's playing at a higher level. His ceiling at this present time looks to be higher. Having a having a starting lineup for the Warriors centered around D'Lo being a point guard, and he was he was an All Star last mean, season. He was the last one included, but. right? But he was also included because of. Depot's injury, right? Um, so you know, there's there's a case yeah, to be made still, there. It still counts. It gets yeah, that's no, a check. Mark, that's a check mark on the resume. It, it does, but I I, I think it kind of when whenever you're having these type of discussions, it discredits, you know, whether he was really an all star or not. Um, I don't think you can argue that he is a scorer. He is someone who can carry a team to a win, uh, and those guys are valuable. Yeah. And I think that's one that, the, the, again, going back to Kyler for a second, that's when that brings up the blowing it up idea. At that point, if you say, hey, Golden State, we want D'Lo, Gordon's not enough, we understand that, what will it take? 
And if they come out and say, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give it to you. Give us Gordon. Give us a pick. Give us a Bamba or a Fournier or a whatever else. That's where the idea of let's blow it up becomes a, a real thing. Let's, mm-hmm. let's really talk about it. And the fact that the Magic are involved in discussions tells me that's real. I don't know about you guys, but since 2016, I've been following this team. The new GM came, came to place, the new front office team. Every summer, I go to the offseason th- thinking, we're going to add a shooter. We're going to add offense. That hasn't happened. I think they realize we got to do this. The defense is good. We just set every now in the numbers. Fifth in block, number one in points allowed. The defense is there. We got to score the ball now. And unfortunately, the pieces are not there. Isaac did not make the huge jump we expected. It may happen later on. Gordon is definitely not there. Vooch is the only guy, and Ross. But that's also here and, and there. And I, th- I think it's also crazy that you were you were bringing up the numbers, right? Because defensively, when you look at, like you said, the points per game, three-point percentage, and oh, I'm sorry, the points allowed blocks and defensive rating, we're top five Amazing. in all of those categories. Yep. But then when you look at the offense and you look at points per game, three-point shooting, and offensive rating, we're bottom five you in gotta the league. Fix that. So mm-hmm. it's like... It doesn't matter how great your defense is, and we've talked about this. If you cannot put the ball through the basket, it doesn't matter. But you know what's surprising is that we do have offensive players. Evan Fournier, is he a better offensive player or a defensive player? Offensive. Vujovic, better offense or defense? Offensive. DJ Augustine, mm-hmm. Terrence Ross. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that the level of talent, those are the ones leading us. We need an elite offensive player. And that's that's one thing that we've been missing for a very in, very long time. In recent memory, could you think of a team that won a championship without a superstar? Um, yes. Who? A very long time ago, Detroit Pistons. The Chauncey Billups, the Ben Wallace, that that was Rasheed Wallace. That was the old NBA where I that, feel like that was yeah the old more. NBA. And and what I mean to, to that was be potential. That's not that old. They, they, that was a team that they didn't have a Kobe, a LeBron, a. A, a, a Tim Duncan, but to be fair, the year that they won, Chauncey Billups played out of his mind, and they were also facing elimination a couple of those games. And lucky shots went in; a half court shot from Chauncey Billups kept them in the, in the playoffs. Like yeah, against the Nets, yeah. A win's a win, Justin. Yeah, oh, you're <laughs> right. A win is a win. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is that when you think of championships in the modern NBA, you Office. think of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. LeBron James, like you think of guys, Kawhi Leonard, you think of guys that are, they don't just play in a team. They transcend the sport. You know who these guys are outside of whether you watch basketball or don't. Um, And I think that that's the era that we're in. We need one of those guys to be a a real threat um, to winning a championship. And I think even a guy like we've talked about many times before, DeMar DeRozan, I know it's, it's, he's a bipolar player. People like him, people don't, but just a guy like that, we can say, Hey, we're down. We're up four against against Phoenix on on, on the lead. Friday night. Give him the ball, isolate, right. set a pick. He'll create either a nice mid range shot. He'll get foul going to the basket. Mm-hmm. We don't have that right now. As much as I like everyone on our team right now, I really like our team the way it's built. But let's be realistic. We don't have that. Even Markel, he went to the basket. He had a layup. He decided to pass it. Turnover. We we lack that killer instinct. And a guy like Demar Rosen, we lack leadership. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what the elite players are. They're leaders. They make people around them better. That's right. And Demar we not the, don't have that. Demar not the, the perfect player by any means. He's, he can not a three point shooter. He's not anymore an elite guy that can score you thirty points a game. We understand that. But the mindset he has, he's been in the playoffs. He's been a part of winning teams. Again, it doesn't have to be him. Just someone like him that comes to Orlando and help us out. But it all that all starts with our front office. I'm I'm ready for them to do something splashy. They need I mean, to. I'm ready for them to take a risk. They haven't done that. They've been again very very discreet, very into the back, very passive. Um, but one thing that we can say about our front office is that they're they're crafty, right? They they make really good financial decisions. Um, for example, um, a report from the Athletic: The Orlando Magic have applied for two disabled player exceptions for Jonathan Isaac and Al Camino. With the NBA that would project season-ending losses, so we have two players that we there's no exact time frame of when they're going to return. So the way that the DPs work is that if they force it, if the NBA we submit the request, if the NBA approves it, that's because they feel those players will not be able to play before the June 15 time frame, Correct. right? So by us not putting a um, a deadline or a return date for them that allows them to be in that specific category. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not it goes through or not, 
is to be seen. But the fact that we're at least attempting to to take advantage of every loophole, every rule, every anything we can to get a financial advantage. I mean, that's something we, at the very least, we can agree that we can oh, give credit sure. to. And I, front I, office. I think that also um, that disabled player exception and having Jonathan Isaac included in that kind of shows that Jonathan Isaac is, in fact, in the future plans of Orlando. Right. Because initially it was thought that he was going to be out for two months. But then and this is this hasn't been reported. But if I were putting on my front office hat, right, I would think. Well, if we keep Jonathan Isaac out the rest of the season, this gives us what was what valued at two point nine million dollar exception for Jonathan Isaac. Let's us let him heal up, not put extra pressure on him because we're not a team that likes to put pressure on guys. Right. Markel Fultz, for example. And then that allows us to pick up somebody else for cheaper. Right. Because we're making the playoffs regardless. There would have to be a severe meltdown just based on the bottom like five. Yeah. You know, teams in the East, there would have to be a severe meltdown for Orlando to miss the playoffs. This is even without Jonathan Isaac, even without Alfaru Camino, right? So you bring in a middle of the road player for $2.9 million, and what happens? He doesn't necessarily have to play Jonathan Isaac's minutes, but you, you keep your roster full. You allow what you're expecting to be your superstar to heal properly so that there's no, no issues later on. And you stay yeah. competitive by making the playoffs. And I, and I feel that's really what we're doing right now. We're, we're the team that we have right now. And as you said, with the teams behind us, there's no way that we're not making the playoffs. The teams behind us are just that bad. Right. Right. Um, so we still had that open 15 spot. Um, so the Orlando Magic just recently announced that um, they're signing Josh Majette to a 10 day contract and then his two way contract. Um, is being given to Vic Law. So that completes our 15-man roster. Um, for now. For That's for now, yeah. right? Before any foreseeable um, trades, right? Changes, yeah. What I don't like about this is I feel we just put a Band-Aid. That's what it feels like. It feels like we, and not even a, a brand-name Band-Aid, like a cheap Band-Aid, <laughs> like one of the off-brand Walgreens Band-Aids. It, because it, it's by far, they made... They made a decision that was by far the cheapest decision possible. Right. So I think that the fear for the Magic was being reported, too, is that um, they feared losing Vic Law to another team. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you guys know, the 10-day contracts are only offered until January 24th. I could be wrong on the date, but we're getting to that point where if someone likes Vic Law, who's been balling, by the way, in, in G League, and say the Knicks offer him a, a two-way contract, something like that, we now lose that player from Lakeland in our organization. So they want to secure him. They want to have his rights. Now, the only issue is Josh Majette. Now, it's on a 10-day contract. He can resign another 10-day contract. That's 20 days in total. After that, you got to decide what to do with him. Do mm-hmm. you bring him for the season or do you waive him? Um, the only thing that's keeping me at, at peace here is if Big Law is decent, you have a nice forward that can play backup power forward right now since we have so many injuries. But also, if the Isaac and Amino exceptions are, are approved, we then have two roster open spots there that we can sign a free agent. So we may have some more changes coming. This next three weeks are huge for the team. But for now, like you're saying, it's a Band-Aid. But one that they see as an asset. They really see Vic Law as a player that they can develop. And I'm okay with that. But there's just so many. You have Emil Jefferson, yeah. Josh Majette, BJ Johnson. You got Melvin Frazier. There's so many. Yes. There's no reason. I, I get one maximum, two, but there's so many of them. But you also have to think about the fact that if our team was healthy... That means MCW would be there. That means uh, Jonathan Isaac would be there. Alfaro Camino would be there. Those three slots that you just mentioned, three players, they wouldn't be there. Correct. Right? They're yeah. only there because they're a cheap option. We're For the amount of money that we had available to us, we weren't going to pick up a game changer. So why not protect, like I was saying, protect the guys that you do have. Um, allow yourself time to kind of gauge how good they're going to be. Right? while simultaneously preventing other teams to come through and grab those those pieces. It's a, it's, a, it's a clear strategic move, and that's what the G League's for, right? You know, help create like a farm league. It is. So come on, fellas, it's your time to, to step it up and be a good story. And yeah. I also think that if, that if that player exemption is approved for Isaac and Aminu, again, with those two open roster spots, you can now go out there and make a trade, a, a, a loop-sided trade. It could be you could receive two players for one. So right. say, for instance, you trade Gordon. 
you can now get two players back for Golden instead of just one. Mm-hmm. So it creates flexibility for our team. And I do not expect us to fill that those roster spots right. if it's approved, that request, right away. We're going to wait until the, thir- the 6th of February, the trade deadline, to make those decisions. But so, I mean... So it's success out there that, that comes from the G League. I, I think of Toronto. Oh, God, yes. Right? So there's there's possibilities here. It's kind of the same. same My, Miami of, also. Yeah, Miami, same as well. So... Hey, it's time for these young men to to get in there and ball out. Like, hey, let, make make that story. Who would you say has been in all of Orlando Magic history our best D League G League player that we've had ever? Like, ever. Man, I, you got to give me time for research on that. Yeah, I, the, I don't recall. The only the only, to be the only one that I can really think is Dwayne Dedman. True. Yeah. Yeah. And he did carve out a, an actual NBA career. He's he's the only one that comes to mind. So no one, that's someone else. So your argument is that these guys, historically speaking, these guys aren't gonna. Become... It, historically, is just it's it, there. There's not that many out there. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and not saying because you you've had players in other teams, but the 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 possibility is so small. The only guy that we had kind of becoming a decent player was Isaiah Briscoe, who, again, not really a G League, but a weird find. That... And didn't Jonathan Simmons play in the G League as well? With I the mean, Spurs. Yeah, but... yeah, with the Spurs. But he, yeah. And he wasn't a bad player. I think I think that he was a decent player. He got us Michael Fultz. Let's be No, he was, <laughs> he was a decent player. And when he was traded from the Spurs here, I was excited. Like, I remember driving back from New Smyrna Beach. And Excited. seeing the trade, and I was like, oh, man, this is good. Because he was playing really well in San Antonio. And the contract wasn't much. Right. No. But I, I think, again, we, we we judge these guys with these, like, magic glasses. Like, we're looking for us offensive productivity. And if you don't bring that, then automatically you're labeled as a bust or trash or whatever it is. And realistically, if those players were playing in other systems, they could have had a chance. Possibly. So, um, obviously, right now we're on a West Coast road trip. So, games ahead. Monday, we have Sacramento. Wednesday, against the Lakers. Thursday, Clippers. Saturday, Golden State. The game of the week is going to be... The Lakers. If they decide to play their players. I feel like... I I feel like... When we play against the Lakers and the Clippers, there's going to be a whole lot of load management happening. Mm. According to LeBron, they don't. He doesn't look. No, of course not. That's he not cold, he cold manages. No, no, no. They just decided to give LeBron and AD a break on the same day, same game. Right. No, I, I think I think the Lakers game should be the game of the week. Um, I think it'll be interesting, especially like talking about Kyle Kuzma possibly being a target for the Magic. You just know, that's how that's something plays. I would be interested in watching. Mm-hmm. No LeBron, no AD, just Kyle Kuzma against the Magic. Yeah, I think that'll be a a good gauge of what Kyle Kuzma's real talent is, what his ability is when he's the primary option, um, and he doesn't have superstars to kind of lay back on. Uh, so I think it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, if we were going to give our predictions for the game of the week against the Lakers, I would I would say that um, the Magic uh, win. I, I think we're going to surprise a lot of people um, on this West Coast road trip. Uh, we started off bad in, in Phoenix. Uh, but I think that that became a topic of discussion on the flight to Sacramento. Um, and I think that the, the guys are going to give it all and, and, and get more wins than we possibly, you know, thought that they were going to get. I'm taking a loss. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Against the Lakers. My stomach can't take anymore. Bro. <laughs> I'm just trying to be as real as I can. Sorry, fellas. You're thinking, you're thinking with your with your brain, not your heart this yes, time. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Your my, my brain has got on fire, too. I fully expect um, LeBron and AD to play in that game. Uh, so, well, at least one of those guys. So, because of that, I'm going to say the Lakers win that game. Yeah, I'm going with the Lakers win also. Just talent-wise. Even, even, with, even without... Uh, like you said, out without one of them, they're still a really tough team. They have a really good bench, and then you have Jared Dudley that you know he goes into every game with the game plan of giving the ball to LeBron, and it does well for them. And I also think we allow the fewest points in the NBA. So if we're talking about a Lakers team that's going to put up 125, 130 points, that might not be the case. I think our when we played the Lakers last, we were going through like a lull period in our in our defense. 
Uh, and I think we found our, our, you know, our defense again. Uh, so I think that on this West Coast trip, this is going to be an opportunity for the guys to show, you know, like, hey, while we do struggle offensively, defense is our calling card. It was supposed to be our calling card since last season. We found that groove back. And now we're going to defensively lock down some of these um, some of these players. But Aaron Gordon, whether Aaron Gordon plays or not, is a huge determining factor. Absolutely. Because uh, we need AG to guard LeBron. If not, then it's Wesley Owandu. <laughs> That's Ooh. yeah, no. brutal. And now, guys, we're going to jump into overtime with Oscar Creed from Orlando Magic Wave. Welcome, everyone, to Overtime with Orlando Magic Wave. Um, Oscar. Oscar. Welcome. Welcome. How's it going, guys? Glad to be here. Yeah, we're su- super excited to have you here. Um, very first guest of the Ozone Podcast, so we're, we're really excited. Um, for those that aren't familiar with Orlando Magic Wave, um, their social media account on Instagram, um, the leading Orlando Magic account on IG. Um, but for those that don't know, Oscar, Oscar, introduce yourself to the people. Uh, what's going on, everyone? Um, I run Orlando Magic Wave, just like Anthony said, uh, and I'm likely the only Magic fan up north in Canada, so I'm I'm holding it down for everyone up here. <laughs> nice, nice. So um, I, I really want to jump into it because I really want to know, how does somebody that is born and raised in Toronto become an Orlando Magic fan out of, out of all teams? Yeah, um, definitely a question I get. Uh, quite a bit. Um, it's not. It's not uh, ordinary that you see a Canadian as a fan of a Floridian basketball team. But um, I, uh, I lived a good uh, chunk of my life in the states. I was uh, living in New Jersey for a couple years, and for a while, I was I was a fan of the New Jersey Nets. And um, they moved out to Brooklyn, and I said that's not a move I like. So I, I was a, I sided with my uh, favorite player, Dwight Howard. I was a big fan at the time, still am. And uh, ever since then, I've just been I've been on I've been on the Magic, and um, back in 2016, especially when uh, my personal favorite player, Bismack Biombo, inked that uh, amazing contract with a well-deserved contract with the Magic, and uh, that was when I actually started the page for the, the day after the signing. So, <laughs> fun little fact. That's really interesting because I remember <clears throat> Biombo having that. Um... It was against the Cavs, and I think he pulled down like 26 rebounds. And I was watching that game at my dad's house, and I said, Orlando needs Biombo. And I never thought, I never thought that he was going to sign here. But then the very next season, he was in Orlando Magic. I was excited about that, too. You probably weren't excited about all that money, though, right? No, no, not at all. No, I was at, the, uh, I was at that game, the 26 rebound, 25 rebound. One of the, It was one of the two. I was at that game. Um, cause it was in Toronto and, uh, it had the whole arena completely just, you know, everyone was on their feet. Everyone was loving Bismack. He was a Toronto icon for the time he was here. Um, but, but yeah, no, that was what swayed me. And it was, uh, it was, it was cool to see it. Have you, have you ever rooted for the Raptors? Was that ever never a thing? Life, and I never, never not once. once. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I did, I did have a few drinks when they won the championship. Just because everybody was partying, I just I wasn't too happy about it, but I was trying to drown my sorrows a bit. <laughs> nah, I, I mean I remember seeing the the videos when they were playing it during the finals, and the city looked insane. Yeah, like Jurassic Jurassic, Jurassic Park was it, on our side. You can tell that man that that experience just from a from a fan perspective must have been nuts. Because even even when so when we made it to the NBA Finals um, against the Lakers, it was, it was a pretty big deal. Downtown was was really was really lit. There was a lot of people there, traffic the whole nine. So just to see it on that level was nowhere even close to what it was here in Orlando. Oh, for sure, yeah. And you you only imagine how crazy it'd be if they actually won that year, and uh, the scene would be even more electrifying. But I gotta say, from I went downtown when they won the championship, and I was trying to get some footage to kind of just capture the moment and it was something i've never seen before it's uh it's it was it was you, you think of toronto as a hockey city right but they were it was it was a basketball country that night that is that is awesome um so just to spin it forward a little bit uh so what do you enjoy most about running a magic instagram page um you know the fact that it gives you know normal people like us people who aren't actually involved with the organization or have any true say in the organization it gives us a voice and it makes us feel kind of like 
um, you know, it gives us a, a platform for like-minded people. And for me to be able to show my passion for the team um, and, and, and interacting with uh, fans and followers every day, that's my favorite part. I get to talk ball with uh, Magic Basketball, with some of the best fans in the world. As a, as a fellow Magic Instagrammer, I think the biggest thing for, for me is the Orlando Magic, their, their page is very cookie cutter, right? Yeah. And they're only able to say certain things. So whereas we don't have the boundaries, we don't have the wall, we can talk about the rumors, we can talk about this player not playing well, we can talk about, you know, changes that need to be done and allows the listeners to, or, or other fans to be able to, you know, get it off their chest and, and really say how they feel about it, kind of like an album. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. I think, uh, yeah, like, like you said, they're cookie cutter. It's a very basic uh, feed they have going on and they don't they don't tend to throw in any kind of memes or anything funny kind of like the Sacramento Kings or the uh, or the Portland Trailblazers whoever they they got some good guys running their social media up there but you're right we get to we get to say the things that the big guys don't so that's what I like most yeah and Oscar now kind of thinking about the team um, what's your favorite Orlando Magic memory of all time so I'm like you know I'm I'm I've only been around since 2001. I haven't been able to experience as much as you guys. Um, but, and, and I know I might get some hate for saying this, but my favorite memory uh, was actually recent. It was the DJ Augustine game winner in Toronto. And uh, that, that by far is mine because I was able to go to that game and I was the only speck of blue in this sea of red. And I was, I was, <laughs> you could hear me from any side, any angle of the entire arena. And that was, that was me. I was so happy and that thing is ingrained in my memory for the rest of my life. Yeah, Oscar, you know, uh, seeing that memory and, and getting to that point brings up a good question. Uh, if to get to the championship, if we have to make a trade and you ran the front office, what trade would you make? You can't say Bismack Biombo. We already, we already did that. It didn't work. It didn't Come on, work. bro. <laughs> no, God, no, no way. But, um, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been really intrigued about D'Angelo Russell. And uh, as every Magic fan is, all I see in the comments is, let's get D'Angelo, let's get D'Angelo, you know, find a way. Let's do Aaron Gordon for D'Angelo. That'd be tough. That'd be tough considering how AG's playing. But for me, I was thinking of two different kind of trades. One was actually centered around D'Angelo, and one was centered around, funny enough, it was uh, some Raptors players. So I was thinking either Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, and a first or a couple seconds for uh, D'Angelo and Kevon Looney. Um, because I, I was – what I was thinking, um, you know, Kem Birch has kind of shown this year that he's not extremely uh, efficient at the center spot. He's improven. But Kevon Looney showed us last year with that championship DNA and then um, him and D'Lo being able to provide for both of us. We get some, uh, some rebounding from Looney and obviously the much-needed scoring from, uh, from D'Lo. Um, and the second one was something like Aaron Gordon or DJ or T Ross for OG Ananobi or Norman pa and Norman Powell. But just with, with two teams with guys that have championship and playoff experience and with the Raptors, I mean, both teams actually, they're, they're both young returns, right? So I yeah, thought I, I was looking for youth and some sort of improvement from on scoring and defense. Yeah, I think those were both like, I guess, possibly realistic ideas. Uh, the OG Ananobi and Norman Powell is interesting because I feel like a lot of what you get from Terrence Ross, for example, you would get from Norman Powell, um, just not necessarily at the same level. Yeah. Um, so if you sent, for example, DJ and T. Ross, you would get a maybe an elevated version, younger version with OG Ananobi, but I think we'd be taking an L in that T. Ross, Norman Powell trade. Um, but it'd be interesting to see because they're both young, still developing. And uh, Norman Powell, I think, and I haven't spoke to him personally, but just based on how he plays, he takes a lot from Terrence Ross's game just from yeah. the time that they spent together in, in Toronto. No, of course. Yeah. No, it, it, nothing, nothing I, I thought of was cemented. It's, I was kind of spitballing earlier. I don't have a definite trade, I think, that, you know, I know would send us to the next level. I think all I know is we got to take risks. We got to take a risk on something. So, because yeah. we're, we're a franchise that just doesn't take risks. We're pretty laid back. And the fans deserve a change. We, you know, the players deserve a change. Everyone does. So, 
You know, every time I hear Norman Powell's name, it always reminds me a few years ago when we had Serge Ibaka, it uh, reminds me of the skit from uh, Bleacher Report, Game of Zones, where they're kind of deciding, you know, who to give up, Terrence Ross, Norman Powell. So That was funny. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> All right, Oscar, one more question. Now, with the team's going in through a funk. Uh, we got a lot going on. We got a lot going on. What do you think uh, is going to happen uh, towards the end of the season? Um, do you want the realistic answer or the biased answer? No, nah, we need, we need realistic. This is a cookie. realistic. No cookie. All right. Cookie. All right. Good, good. Okay. Um, well, just, just a few points. Uh, I think, I think coach Cliff is going to get put on the hot seat. Now I don't know if he'll actually get fired. I don't know if the front office will seriously, seriously look into it or consider it, but I have, I got a good feeling that, that we're going to hear in a few weeks from now, if things kind of keep going the way they're going, you know, a win or two here and then a bunch of losses, then Cliff's going to be on the hot seat. Um, I'm also predicting an Aaron Gordon trade. I think that's pretty evident. Um, as much as I love the guy, he was my first Magic jersey ever. But, you know, I think, um, I think, I think that we are stunting his development and he's stunting ours at the same time. Um, you know, Aaron, we know that we know what he's capable of and he's shown us over the last few years. Uh, but it, it just in my honest opinion, I got a good feeling that the front office is going to seriously start looking into trades for him. And the last one being uh, Judah is going to miss the all defensive team nod because um, of his injury and how it's season ending. And as heartbreaking as that is for me to say and how well deserved it is, I don't I don't see him. I don't see I don't see them giving him it. Yeah, I agree with your predictions. Um, Jonathan Isaac, his name started coming up, you know, really often in, in the media. And his name was attached to, you know, all defensive. You know, he was, he was balling out defensively, was our anchor for that. And the fact that he got injured and hinders it, I, I think would have really, you know, it's missing out because that would have propelled him for the following season. Um, do you think yeah. that your, so your prediction that Coach Cliff is going to be on the hot seat, do you think that's the right move? It's tough. It's tough because, um, you know, in order to kind of keep a, a winning culture or a happy team, the chemistry up, you know, having the coach around and having someone that the, the players like is good to have. And from what I've seen, I've seen the players, um, they enjoy Cliff. Like if we haven't heard any kind of discrepancy or, or, or bad news from Cliff. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, it's the right move. In my, in my humble opinion, um, he's, he's, he's messed us up a few, a few times this year. And I don't know if you guys have seen my stories about my rants on Cliff mid-game, but he's made some really, really questionable calls this year that have very visibly cost us those games. Yeah, I think, I think we can all agree we've all complained about his, his rotational decisions. Um, for, for me, I, I've always found it um, a difficult hurdle just because we've gone through so many co if you if you really think about how many coaches a player like Aaron Gordon has gone through you know he's already on what is it five six coaches that he's had in the NBA yeah it's the amount of inconsistencies that I'm not a fan of um and then really thinking what other coaches out there right now that is better than coach Clifford you know it's it's you either try to find that person or you take a risk on a coach that needs to prove themselves or someone that wants to be your coach. So um, it's, that, that's, that would be my only, my only not on those. And I think what makes it a little more difficult is there was uh, some report the other day, but Kemba Walker accredited Steve Clifford with kind of taking his game to the next level. Uh, so when you have an elite caliber point guard say something like that and you have a young guy, Markel Fultz, who you're hoping is going to be the savior for this franchise yeah. for years to come, it's like if that high of a level of point guard is, is saying this coach unlocked this talent in me, then you kind of want to write it out and see if he can work that same magic on Markel. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all for that. And I think uh, I, I saw that the other day as well. And I was thinking to myself, we would, you know, we'd kill for a Kemba type player and, and a coach that would be able to develop him like that. It's just, you know, from what I'm seeing, um, a lot of the older coaches, um, you know, guys like well, guys like Cliff, yeah. Older guys and younger teams, I always feel like they don't mesh as well as, say, for example, a young team looking to prove themselves and a, a new and up-and-coming coach doing the same thing. Like, look at the Hornets. You got uh, Borrego, and he's leading, you know, Devontae Graham and those guys. 
uh, he's able to bring them up on the come up. Uh, I just, I always thought that old coaches, older guys with not a ton of kind of successful experience don't always mesh well with a, a young, um, uh, inexperienced core, you know? That makes sense. And I, I always felt like, um, coach Clifford was the, um, if you were to put Scott Skiles and Frank Vogel together, you would get coach Clifford. Yeah. And, exactly. and I always felt like the magic also, we've always gone after guys that we're comfortable with. So Scott Skiles was someone from our, our history, our past coach Clifford, yeah. the exact same team, uh, the exact same thing. So it's like, you know, when are we going to jump outside of the box, think outside the box and do something a little more splashy? Yeah, and that's what we talk about with risks, right? Like this team has uh, has yet to make a big risk since the Hennigan era. And I think I think that's why we're cautious because we saw how bad Hennigan messed us up, you know, with quick moves like Oladipo and taking that big risk on Ibaka, you know. This Mac Biombo. This, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we got some guys at the front office who were able to make more calculated risks instead of just pulling the trigger. I think that's why they've been fielding the – the market for AG for a while because who knows he could have a AG like or a big uh, Oladipo like come up next season if we move him who knows right I think that's why we're afraid to pull some triggers yeah because Markel Fultz wasn't a risk you know I said that on the podcast before that was yeah. you know a low risk high reward move and I think we're getting to the point where all right you've analyzed the team enough you know what you have you know the players the coach the whole nine now's the time that you do make some move anything that's more than you know the the basic trading of bismack for mozgov to be able to do the things that he's done financially so for yeah, sure. sure no we've had to we've had to make up a lot of his mistakes that's for sure and it's um it's definitely set us back a few imagine yeah no i mean imagine if we had taken the right risks early on and and, and continued that kind of pattern moving forward yeah for sure so uh oscar we want to get into a little quick segment with you all right yes sir Pretty simple. It's called a fire drill. We're going to ask you five questions. And the caveat is you only have two and a half seconds to answer. All right, bud. <laughs> Sounds good. Two, two and a half. So you got, you're going to keep track. Nah, I got it. All right. <laughs> all right, you ready? Yes, sir. All right. Favorite Orlando Magic player of all time? Bismack Biombo. One place um, you travel to, that you want to travel to? Uh, San Diego. Favorite dish? Uh, ribs. If you weren't an Orlando Magic fan, what other team would you be a fan of? Milwaukee Bucks. Favorite memory of your one-time visit to Orlando? Disney World. And oh, uh, getting the plush backyard against doll. Yeah, man. You, <laughs> <laughs> that you, you was gotta, really good. You got to find a way to get back to Orlando and uh, enjoy it more as, as an adult than, you know, when you went there first as a kid. So Yeah, 100%, man. I've been trying to get out there. You know, people have been saying, come watch the game with us. I'll give you a ticket or something like that. And I've been dying to come down and especially meet you guys, um, you know, after this podcast. It's a, yeah, I got to find a way to get down there as soon as I can. Yeah, and it's good that you take advantage of um, watching the Magic when they they do go up to Toronto. But the Amway is... It's an amazing, amazing place to watch a game up close and live. And, and the way that the arena is with um, with their city edition um, court also is a, is a crazy atmosphere. Yeah. For don't sure. forget, we also have the best mascot in the game. Yes, yes we do. Sir. Yes, <laughs> we do. Man, <laughs> stuff gets everybody hyped in the arena. He's one of the best mascots I've seen in any sport. And that's oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he does. He's, he's extra. I like what he, he – he brings a lot to the table, especially for fans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Oscar, I appreciate you being on with us. Um, can you tell tell everyone where they can follow you? Because uh, I know you have other things outside of Instagram as well, right? Yes, sir. The official handle for Instagram is Orlando Magic Wave, one word, no spaces, and my Twitter account is O R L Magic Wave. Uh, so follow me up on that, and I'll be glad to have you guys. All right, that's a wrap with Oscar and overtime with Orlando Magic Wave. Thank, Thank you, Oscar. boys. Thank you. Thanks, boys. And again, thank you to Oscar Creed for joining us um, for the podcast. Um, but let's let's wrap this up, boys. Final thoughts. Final thoughts for me. Uh, I would love to see the Magic win at least two games this week. That's all. That's all I want. I mean, uh, if you go any worse than that, um, again, we're not risking a playoff spot just yet. But uh, I'm a little concerned with the tough schedule we have ahead. So give me two wins this week, and then we'll deal with the rest um, the following week. Uh, for me... Just show off, show off that uh, defensive prowess. Show off why you're rated number one in points 
<clears throat> allowed. Uh, you know, just just show up, rely on what your strengths are, and don't try to do too much. That's nice. Uh, my 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 thoughts are completely about, hey, let's get these players healthy again, speedy recovery for these guys, and uh, the new young players in. Now's your time. You know, you you dreamed your whole life to be here. Now you're here, especially in the lights of L.A. Time time to bring bring the A game. Yeah, I want to see contributions from the G Leaguers, um, not just a body filler. When I actually go out there, produce and and be active. I want to see some some hard hustle, get on the ground, foul a lot of players, make them feel your presence, and just play ball. But um, yeah, that's that's it. Great episode today, guys. Yes, sir. That's a wrap for us. Peace. Peace. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Be sure to visit our website, theozonepod.com. And remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.